0: To the World Bank EdTech podcast. Today, we have a special episode where we will explore the essence of working at the World Bank with insights from a recently departed member of our team. Join us as we reflect on how the EdTech team has evolved over the years and look into 2024 with critical curiosity and a passion for learning. Let's start. <music>
1: Welcome to the World Bank EdTech podcast, a conversation on the use of technology and innovation in education globally. My name is Bob Hawkins, and I'm the global lead for technology innovation in education here at the World Bank. We are extremely pleased to have with us today a recently departed member of the team, uh, Iñaki Sanchez-Ciarusta, and also a recent arrival to our team, uh, Lucia Blasco. Today's discussion, uh, we want to explore this question of what it's like to work uh, at the World Bank and with the World Bank EdTech team. And we've dubbed this discussion the three Inyakis and the one Lucia uh, to explore the different evolution of uh, our colleagues uh, before they joined the bank, during their tenure at the bank, and after the bank. So Inyaki, I want to kick off with you, who the star of this show, really. Uh, If you can share with us a little bit about your background before joining the team, and your expectations or impressions of, of what it would be like uh, to work for the World Bank EdTech team. Thank you very much, Bob, uh,
2: and it's really a pleasure to, to be here. So it's been a little bit over for years. Um, and I hope that this journey of the three, Iñakis and Lucia, is, is interesting for the listeners because it could be a mirror of what it's like in detail to work in a team at the bank And the evolution that I experienced was in parallel also the evolution that the team experienced over these four years.
1: It's it's important to note, Tinyaki, that when you joined us, uh, it was before COVID, and we were a very small team with just Mike Tricano and myself, and you were really the third member, and the team has grown quite a bit since then. Uh, I just want to give that context to the audience as well.
2: Exactly, exactly. And maybe... um, when we go deeper into that i can i can give a little bit more my thoughts about that well so i always had this interest for difficult problems and thinking about innovative solutions and if possible involving technology however i always had a linkage to education my mother was a principal for a school for many, many years. I always kept this relationship with my local schools to volunteer, to be a counselor. Once I finalized my master's on aeronautical engineering, I decided to complement those studies with a master's on teacher professional training and teacher capacity building. In part because I felt that as an engineer, I could have for sure a positive impact in the world but at the same time i wanted to to take a different route and and try to have an impact in a different way and i signed in a program of the basque government where i was lucky enough to spend a little bit over four months in a rural area of west bengal trying to to support local teachers in a local rural school and i think that I mean in west bengal change My perspective, my objectives, maybe that was the initial seed uh, towards working in development.
1: So, so Inaki, what inspired you to uh, take this adventure
2: in India? Well, so especially having the reference of my own mother that was always working with youth, reinventing herself, I wanted to try to use the skill set that I received as an engineer being able to try to identify complex problems and find innovative solutions and try to apply it to a different field, to the field of education, trying to go to a developing country and and see if I could be impactful and help my colleagues working
1: there. And and what was the dream of what you hoped you could become uh, through this adventure? What was your vision of your future self? So
2: that's a a very good question. I guess that what I wanted to be sure is that uh, maybe it's a, It's a cliche of an answer, no? But I would love to look at myself in the mirror and and being able to to say, okay, I try my best to put to work my skills in a way that I consider that are useful and impactful. And what I was looking for was to, to receive also an experience to open my perspective. So I felt that for me, also, it was for sure an enriching experience just to go out there to a very different context, a very different culture, and learn from my colleagues, in this case, in West Bengal.
1: There's, there's no turning back. A little bit like Cinema Peredizo. Once you leave that shore and that home, uh, you're on a, a journey to discover uh, a new you. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and what aspect of Iñaki you discovered in India.
2: Well, I discovered a a more humble Iñaki. I was much younger and I remember thinking, well, I'm going to this very rural school, no connectivity, of course, in the middle of nowhere, really. And I was thinking, well, with my master's in education, with my knowledge as engineer, I'm sure that I'm going to have a direct impact from day zero. But then I realized that the, the contest was difficult. Uh, I wasn't aware of many of the complexities. I needed to learn about some uh, political issues that were in the region. I needed to learn about how things were done in that context. And of course, I needed to listen a lot. I needed to wait a lot. So I learned, I think, to be a more patient and, and just understand that sometimes you need some time to, to
1: reflect and to,
2: to be aware of, of where you are.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, engineering is a very ordered discipline. Uh, Life is very chaotic. Exactly. So after India, you took a position back with the government. Tell us the steps that that brought you to the bank and, and your expectations of what you were thinking about the bank before you joined our team.
2: So after India, I was in closer contact with the whole ecosystem of NGOs. I was more aware of the work that they were doing and the big challenges in in our client countries, in the developing countries. So I went back to Spain and and I worked as a teacher. I was leading some programs related to STEM in the Basque country, but I felt that I still needed to learn a little bit more. So the Basque government, they had a program for young professionals focused on internationalizations, And of course, I knew a little bit about the World Bank, but it was thanks to this program that I became more aware about multilateral organizations and was able to go to the Embassy of Spain in Washington to the multilateral department. But for the listeners, what we did in this office is be the liaison between Spanish organizations, Spanish NGOs, foundations, and different multilateral organizations, including the World Bank. And that was actually a fantastic opportunity to realize all the work that the the bank was doing and be in first touch with the task team leaders from the World Bank working in different projects, not only in education, but in innovation in general. So this was my first
1: closer contact with the bank. Thanks, Senyac. We often joke that what we do isn't rocket science, but uh, we're very happy to have a rocket scientist uh, on the team, uh, employee uh, with the public sector in the government of Spain. I want to bring uh, Lucia Blasco into this conversation to kind of have the other bookend of somebody who is now just joining our team. Uh, Lucia, a huge welcome to you. We're very excited to have you uh, with the EdTech team. I wonder if you can share a little bit about yourself uh, with our audience, uh, your background, and whether you have a question for Iñaki, Lucian?
0: Hi, Bob. Hi, Iñaki. Thank you very much. I'm really excited about this new adventure. I'm really interested in international relations and storytelling. And in my last uh, seven years, I've been working for the BBC World Service, and, and I've been covering a lot of Latin America. And I also covered technology for a couple of years. And, and I realized how everything is technology because it has to do with society, with economy, with education. And it's really interesting to find uh, human impact stories and much needed positive uh, stories. So this is a great opportunity to do solutions journalism and tell the stories of people changing the world.
1: No, this is this is critical. I mean, we, we often have the question of, well, this is what works in different parts of the world. These are the solutions that have worked. But the key question is how to, how, how do you implement that solution in, in various contexts and be able to kind of work with you to not just identify those stories, but the details of how those solutions were actually uh, implemented, the sequence, uh, the capacity needed, the actors, the leadership. Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to, uh, to unpack that to, with you. Um, being new to the team, do you have a question you want to uh, address to Inyaki, Lucia?
0: Yes, of course. Um, I would like to know how is it to work for the World Bank? Because it feels a bit like a bubble from the outside. So some insights on the first approach, the first uh, impressions.
1: Of
2: course, Lucia. So I was in a similar situation where I had some conversations. I understood some of the mechanism. I understood the structure of the teams in the bank, the work they do. But I didn't know exactly how is a day-to-day work at the bank. no. And I think that the opportunity of having this podcast and doing this reflection is actually super helpful for me because you need some distance to actually process what happened during all these four years. No, The day-to-day in the team in the bank, as Bob perfectly knows, Um is full of trying to find solutions, trying to stop little fires, trying to keep always a clear vision and a clear compass to the mid-term, the long-term goals that the team has, while at the same time answering to these problems and to these needs that appear, being relevant to the country teams. So what I found when I joined the team was better than what I expected. I was expecting already wonderful things. For me, it was like the perfect connection between my different worlds no, the world of technology the world of education and then the world of development so being part of that tech team for me was everything i knew some projects for instance evoke that we mentioned in other podcasts i was familiar with the blogs that mike published even some of them several years ago that are still relevant uh, but then And I'm not saying this because we are being recorded. Uh, I think that the team knows. Uh, What I found was a team of a wonderful human value, uh, always ready to help each other with uh, a lot of knowledge and with the clarity of being always relevant to the needs of the countries and our colleagues working in the regions.
1: No, thank you, Iñaki. I mean, as you know, we, we did our uh, strategy paper, the title being Reimagining Human Connections. So uh, the interpersonal relationships uh, amongst the team are extremely important because it, 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 at the end of the day, it's it's the people uh, that make the difference. And having a, somebody like you, I think it's interesting kind of as we started this conversation of the different paths that you took, not really knowing where it would bring you, but looking back how all of the different experiences you've had uh, fit together. And I have to say that the experience that you brought to the team was ideal. You you had a strong engineering background. You had experience in a developing country. Uh, you had experience uh, with uh, the, the government sector. So you, for us, uh, were a fantastic uh, addition to our team at a very critical point.
2: No, thank you, Bob. And maybe this goes back to perhaps something useful for the listeners. And it's that I think that each one of us we bring to our teams a very particular skill set, no? and 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 sometimes you need something like this when we talk about lifelong learning. No, it means reinventing yourself again and trying to do this retrospective exercise of of saying, okay, maybe this path wasn't the most straight one, but I'm sure that I learned some things that can be
1: applied in in this new context. No, I mean, I hope you learned a few <laughs> things. I mean, that was my next question to you. I mean. Technology changed and evolved. Uh, can you share with your listeners just kind of a little bit of uh, you know the highlight reel, uh, two or three things from uh, from your four years with us? Sure. So the first one is that the team
2: grew. The team evolved. Soon after I joined, uh, the team increased its capacity with two fantastic. Uh, people like Cristóbal Alcobo and Alestino Bovisha bringing experience from the research world and from the private sector. So I think that one of the strengths of this team is the variety of skills that, that each of the members bring to the team. No? Uh, Maria as well with experience in the former DFID and so on and so forth. Um, and the team responded, in my opinion, in a fantastic way to a huge challenge like COVID was. One of the first things that I did when I joined the team was this document where we tried to monitor all the projects, all the dialogues, all the key past projects that had any type of tech component on it in order to understand the demand from the countries, in order to to be um, decision-driven no, and demand-driven in our connections with the countries.
1: Yeah, and just and just for the listeners, and maybe for Lucia, uh, you know, we're we're a team that sits at the the center of the bank. The bank has six regions that uh, support uh, countries that are lending for uh, education projects, and where there's an ed tech component, uh, that's where we come in. So we we try to monitor uh, all of the different demands that come to us from countries. Uh, clients and colleagues with regard to edtech. So what what Inyaki is referring to is this this monitoring document to kind of understand what the needs are. Uh, but back to you, Inyaki. Exactly. No,
2: and my point was that even back then, the the percentage of World Bank education projects, the the portfolio with edtech component, it was very high. But I think that today is more than ninety five percent. I think of the of the World Bank projects.
1: Yeah, it's like 96%. 96,
2: they have some type of tech component. No? So, of course, when, when Bob was mentioning that joke that I think that Ma, Ma, Mike started of what we do is not rocket science, but just in case we, we have a rocket scientist, I do think that some of the things that we are trying to do, and by we, I mean the whole uh, development world, no? trying to solve some of these educational challenges, they are indeed more difficult than rocket science because we don't have concrete equations and specific answers that work no matter where. No? Um, so, So back to the reflections. I think that the reaction to COVID from the team was fantastic. The team published the strategy paper right before COVID, and it was fantastic to see how relevant it was During and after COVID, in our dialogue with countries, we will need like a series of podcasts uh, to just explain all the lessons learned, no?
1: No, and you can maybe share the five principles uh, from from that document. And you've also exposed me because I do steal my best ideas from Mike. So... (laughs) <laughs>
2: no but but yeah the five principles because again they are i think the the compass that still guides the the team and the responses no so so the first one being asking why we need to to understand the the context if if technology is the solution what is the question no so this is the very first question that we ask the very first principle asking why and having clarity on the purpose the second one is also essential in the work that we are doing, and is about designing for all and at a scale. When we are talking about technology, um, sometimes and often if the implementation is not done correctly, actually what you can accomplish is increasing the gap. Um, so this principle goes against that. No? These solutions they should reach everyone and not leave any child uh, behind. The third one is empowering teachers. Uh, because often in the past uh, many people they will use technology as a means to substitute teachers and we say no. Uh, we think that some of these technologies should empower teachers as an additional tool, and perhaps teachers with technology will replace those without technology. No, But this clarity on, on tools to actually reinforce the work of the teachers. Then engage the ecosystem. So we recognize that uh, the ministries of education, they cannot do it alone, and we need to engage the ecosystem. And finally, being data-driven. no, We ensure that the decisions are made based on evidence and, and on data. So those are the, the five principles that, again, for me, are the fantastic compass to to guide any conversation, and implementation, any work that the team has been doing for the past four years or so.
1: so. So you mentioned the work that we did around identifying demands across the portfolio, the development of our strategy paper. Um, any other highlights that you want to, uh, to share with the audience? Yes, I think that being able to also have a
2: space to implement to test ourselves to do some piloting i think that that was essential because we cannot go to countries and and, and recommend ideas if we don't have the experience and don't understand first-hand the challenges of what we are recommended so i mentioned earlier in in this conversation evoke a project that you are very familiar with bob because you are the the father uh, of it and, and being able to test this, to implement it in Honduras, in Colombia, despite all the challenges, again, because many of these implementations of Evoke that for the audience is a digital project-based learning with many gamify elements, with a fictional universe, with a graphic novel that the focus is uh, to develop 21st century in youth. Um, one of my key highlights was being able to implement that because there is nothing like testing something yourself, trying it yourself. And this is the way to, to better understand the details and the challenges.
1: No, this, this field of technology, because it changes so quickly, we have to be at the frontier and we have to know firsthand what are the, the pros and cons, the advantages, the disadvantages, the opportunities uh, and the challenges. Um, so uh, again, for our listeners, uh, we had prior podcasts on, on Evoke, but it's been an action research project for us at the bank for the last 12 years to really roll up our sleeves and get a sense of how technology can have an impact on the ground with youth. Uh, We started this in South Africa, looking at the role that technology combined with storytelling, social networks, uh, game mechanics could engage youth more effectively in solving development challenges through a a project-based learning pedagogy. Uh, We moved on to asking the question about the role of technology in developing 21st century skills. How do you define creativity, collaboration, empathy? Uh, How do you integrate it into a curriculum? How do you assess it? Uh, We then tackled the question of how might uh, blockchain technology provide uh, more transparency and more traceability of funds in a conditional cash transfer system where students would be able to do activities on a platform in real time, uh, have the, the results of those activities be uh, clear to all and to be able to receive incentives uh, over, over the blockchain. And the last iteration that uh, Iñaki mentioned was in Colombia and Cali, where we brought together a number of youth to use AI to see to what extent the new technology could democratize uh, the development of, of content. Um, let me uh, bring Lucia into this, this conversation on uh, kind of hopes and dreams, because I think, uh, you know, one of the lessons, again, from Evoke is in development of skills, it's a focus on not what you are, but who you can become, which is, uh, I think, a theme of the discussion that's emerging uh uh, with both of you today. So Lucia, I, I, I'd like to ask you, you know now entering the World Bank, uh, someone new, what are some of the dreams that you have for yourself, uh, your work and, and the impact that you hope to have ultimately on teaching and learning and, and students uh, in, in classrooms around the world, Lucia?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's uh, firstly really interesting to get involved in being able to tell the stories on different channels across platforms what the team is doing. So I hope that my background in journalism brings these human impact stories to a bigger audience. And also the projects and the missions that the team is developing is benefiting people from all around the world. I find that global dimension really, really interesting um so my dream would be not just to tell these stories but also to to find different voices the teachers the children in different countries um and i think there is a lot about um that inspiring angle i was talking about before solutions journalism that it's so
1: interesting it- and Lucia, can you break down for us in our audience solution journalism? What are the what are the components?
0: So when we talk about something that happened, and the first thing is is to ask the five W's, like what, why, when, how. Once you have the news, there are always different angles and there are also solutions. The people who are making a positive impact. Um, so from something negative as the global learning crisis. Instead of just talking about the crisis, we focus on the the people who are bringing solutions to the table. In that sense, there are many ways to use the storytelling narratives um, to bring that human element that I think is so important and also the different voices. We need solutions and education is such an important field and technology can be used as a solution in many ways
1: i mean you're you're in the right place, Lucia, because we we certainly have plenty of questions uh, we have plenty of crisis and conflict that we deal with in our work, and uh, there are a lot of heroes and protagonists out there to to highlight their stories so I'm excited to to see what we can uncover uh, in in the years to come so Inyaki, <clears throat> this is a bittersweet moment uh, we've we've kind of reflected on our incredible collaboration and all the fun we've had uh, over the past four years, but you're, you're moving on to a new challenge. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your next adventure uh, and some of the lessons that uh, you'll bring to the new team.
2: Yes. And, and I think that I'm as short physically as at the beginning, but I hope that internally I have grown a lot. And, and, and these years, basically, thanks to you, Bob, thanks to Mike, thanks to the whole team. no. And again, I want to emphasize how fantastic this team is. So I will be joining the Learning Innovation Hub from UNICEF. Uh, they are part of the Office of, of Innovation. And in terms of what I'm going to bring, um, when I when I left the bank, I, I sent a goodbye email, as you know, with a short story no, of of um, different monsters that I think that all of us no matter the organization, no matter if it's big or small, we we sometimes face no. Maybe not all all the monsters that I mentioned in that fable, in that short story, but at least some of them. So,
1: so some of the monsters were the the bureaucracy, the the need to foster collaboration.
2: Exactly the lack of coordination, the the, the apathy. No, all of us sometimes maybe when we have been in a position for too long, we start paying less and less attention to those details that we were mentioning. No? So, so so, again, the fable was about that, about those monsters, but particularly about the solutions and the solutions that we can accomplish together. No? And I feel that I can bring some of these recipes to the new team. For instance, I mentioned that apathy could be defeated by passion and dedication. And I know that our team, the EdTech team at the bank, they have that passion and I know that this new team, they also have it. No? I know that effective collaboration and coordination that goes back to our principle of, of engaging the ecosystem is essential for success in this field. And I really hope that we will be able to collaborate across organization, especially between UNICEF and the World Bank, because there is already a, an existing path to collaborate. No. I mentioned more things, but maybe the one that I want to emphasize was to always be connected to the people we are serving, because sometimes it's easy from Helsinki or from Washington to, to be disconnected, to be far. And I know that the EdTech team at the World Bank, they are always super connected to the demands, to the realities, and I will try to, to
1: ensure to bring
2: the same to my new team.
1: Thanks, Iñaki. Thank you both for a fascinating discussion. Lucia, I'd like to ask you one final call to action for our listeners uh, to become their their best selves.
0: Um, I would say to have curiosity, uh, to learn about what happens around the world, um, because less and less people want to be informed about what's happening around us. So this is the news fatigue problem we are facing in journalism. But I think it's really important to be aware of the different realities and to be curious. So that would be my call to
1: action. I love that. Critical curiosity. Uh, and Inyaki, what's your call to action for our audience? My call to action is something that we have in the paper and is start.
2: Many times the the team mentioned the perfect is the enemy of the good. So my call to action would be just to start. What I hope is to one day become a Bob, become a
1: Mike, still alone. Be careful what you ask for. A
2: <laughs> long path to follow, Bob. Back to you.
1: No, gracias a dos uh, por una conversación muy interesante. Thanks both for a fantastic conversation. I'm going to miss you dearly, but I hope that uh, our collaboration will continue in the future and we will both continue dreaming together and becoming uh, our potential selves. And Lucia, welcome to the team. I'm very excited to work with you.
0: Muchas gracias. <laughs>
1: A ustedes. Un abrazo muy
2: fuerte. Thank you very much, Bob. Un abrazo.